Discover community, find hope, and experience God. This is Discovering Hope with Pastor Paul Knight. Let's give God a round of praise for the people that were baptized this morning and for the life hack. That's good. I like that. I am so glad to be here this morning. It's been a couple of weeks since I've, I've been worshiping with you the last couple of weeks. Uh, Bonnie and I have been doing some traveling. We celebrate my mother's 91st birthday. Uh, we had Bonnie's father's uh, funeral service. He passed away a couple of weeks ago. And so it's been a mixture of uh, rejoicing and uh, grief and just some good times and some deeply sorrowful times. Uh, but I'm thrilled to be here this morning. Uh, so here's what I want to talk about today. What I believe the Lord wants us to hear. I'm going to talk about trust. And the truth is, I want to talk about it in a way that I hope challenges us. See, some of us are just really good people, but we're not truly impactful people. We're doing good things, but we're not doing the God things that he may want us to do. Some of us may be on a path in our life where we're doing things that are crazy, not healthy, not good. And God would like to bring us back on the path. Some of us, he wants to push us down the path deeper. Some of us wants to bring us. I want to talk about having a great path for your life, a great path for your life. I'm going to ask it this way. What voices do you listen to? So Bonnie and I have this ongoing challenge. It's it's a little tension in our relationship. Uh, she's generally wrong <laughs> in this particular instance, and I'm generally right, or at least that's what I've always thought. See, when we're traveling, uh, I like to turn my phone on, and it's an accent similar to that young gal who's the last one. It's, I, I got a British woman that speaks to me on my phone about where I'm supposed to go. Like, she's, she's my British map app, right? Bonnie has a different voice I don't even hear on her app, phone app, and she also lays out a map. And I think it's jealousy, but sometimes Bonnie gets frustrated with, with me when I listen to my British-voiced lady over her voice telling me where to go. And so she's been doing this thing lately. She, we, when we're traveling, when I decide, okay, I'll go your way, and I go her way, and then it's the correct way, she'll say things like this. She, she won't necessarily say them blatantly. She'll say them under her breath a little bit. Sometimes she'll say about five minutes. She goes, that's one notch for me. I'm like, what? The other day she said, I have six notches. How many do you have? I said, I didn't know I was supposed to be counting them. You know, so she has all this stuff, and, and it's, it's like, oh! Just let me be right, which I'm not usually. Well, no, it's a competition. Anyway, so who do you listen to? Not for the directions when you're driving, but for your life. And have you considered the direction that you're traveling? And does it go in the, to the destination you really want your life to be in? Like, if you're on the current direction or current path that you're on, some of you, you, you already know you're on a path that God doesn't want you to know, but on the current path, if you look down the road five years from now, are you ending up where you want to end up? Ten years from now, or 20 years from now, or 30 years from now, is the current direction of your life leading to the destination that God would say, that's where I wanted you the whole time? 
or are you going a different direction? There's a man named Abraham in the Bible, and and we're going to talk about him throughout this whole message. Abraham was called on by God, and God said this to him. The Lord said to Abraham, and and I'm going to not read what he said first, but he said this, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I will bless you, bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Think of what an incredible adventure that must have been for Abraham. To know that God had this beautiful plan for his life, this pathway where his life would be a blessing to others, where he would be blessed by being on it. We're going to look at the proverb, which is my favorite proverb in all of the the book of Proverbs. It's the crowning proverb. It's like the proverb that I think leads all the others. It's, It's this proverb. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Look at, look at what, what he's saying is, if you trust me, if you acknowledge me, I will make sure your path goes where it needs to go to. Matter of fact, it's preceded by, by these verses. Let me start. Let me read the whole chapter. No, I'll just read verses 1 through 6 of Proverbs chapter 3. My son, Solomon starts. Now, now don't, don't get all messed up on, on the my son. Solomon's writing to his son. And God has taken these words and used them for us. Right? This is a father's wisdom to his son. This is, this is like Solomon, if you know, is the third king of Israel. He was offered all kinds, whatever he wanted from God. And he chose, I would like wisdom. And God said, because you've chosen wisdom, I'm going to give you long life and prosperity and all kinds of other things. But Solomon chose wisdom. He is the wisest person on the face of the earth during his day. And so what he's saying to his son, my son, do not forget my teaching. But keep my commands in your heart. Solomon was using Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, as his guide and his relationship with God. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and mankind. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit or acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. A pathway that, in Solomon's case, spoke of long life and and peace and, and prosperity and favor and a good name in the sight of God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine living in, in such a way that God looked at you and said, You, you have a good name. What your neighbor represents is good. It's favorable. It's wonderful. It, this is about the adventure of living flat out devoted to God. Living a flat-out trust to God. It's, it's like saying, I am all in. But some of us, maybe many of us, on this pathway of God, we, we've taken some detours. We've taken some spiritual shortcuts. We know it. We've got ourselves off the path and into the weeds, so to speak. And for some of us, this morning is going to be a, I need to turn around. And come back to the path. Maybe not with your whole life. Maybe it's just this little area 
right there. Maybe it's just this little, this little piece of secret life that you have going on over here. And God would say, you know what? You know what? You know what? Let's get back on the path. Some of us, we've pulled onto the side of the road. We have. We, we've taken like a spiritual break over the last year, year and a half. We know that God has a plan for us. Matter of fact, for all kinds of reasons, uh, some legit, some not. Some of us have checked out of fellowship with other people. Some by the command of the government. Some whatever, right? But we've checked. We've checked out. We've we've pulled our life to the side of the road, and we've been idling spiritually. And it's time. It's time. It's time to get back into gear and to move up. Some of us. So we've been on a stormy path, right? There's all kinds of things going on, and we can't quite see ahead of us. We can't see through this stuff. And God would say, trust me, trust me, trust me. Some of us are in a dark path, not necessarily a sinful path by darkness, but darkness where you can't quite see what's going on. And God said, trust me, trust me, trust me, I got you. Stay close, stay close. Follow close behind. Because you're on an adventure. You're on a pathway to a destination that God is looking at for you and saying, I have the best life available for you. Trust me in it. Some are in clear sailing. Clear sailing. You're, you're, you're going along, and it's you got the pedal to the metal. Your windows are open. The tunes are cranking. You're just like, hands out the window. You guys ever do this when you drive and everything's going well? You, put your, take your, you steer with your knee, right? <laughs> you don't. Some people do that. They're wrong when they do that, apparently. But everything's going well. But here's what you don't know. God is still saying, stay close, stay close, trust me, because we don't know what's around the corner. So stay close to me. So here's a little piece of wisdom to put in your hat. Wisdom is knowing the best life possible is lived on the path designed by God. Wisdom is knowing that the best life possible is on a path designed by God. So let me ask this question. Are you on that path? I'm not saying asking whether you've surrendered your life to Jesus as Savior and Lord or not. I'm asking you, are, are you on the path that he's designed for you? The best path? Or have you detoured, sidelined, stuck? Because here's what I want to invite us to do. I'm going to give us three practices that we can do. Three practices from the Proverbs that will help us be on, stay on, get on, return to the best possible path for our life designed by God. Let's pray together. So God, we ask you, invite you, encourage you, beg you to guide us through these next moments and steps. Father, that you would teach us to have amazing trust in you because we want to live in the amazing. We want to live in the magnificence. We want to live in the beauty of knowing that we're doing right what you want us to do. God, we're not asking for the absence of storms. We're not asking for the absence of darkness. We're asking for God, put us in the right spot at the right time where you want us on the right path for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Three practices. Practices are things, by the way, that you do, but you don't necessarily do perfect right away. 
You practice them. It's like playing a piano. You practice the piano by playing the piano. You play the piano and you can call it practice. You can play the piano and call it a piece. But even while you're playing, you're doing the same thing you did when you practice. So when you make a mistake, you just start over. Or you continue. Or, or you, 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 you keep. So there's three practices. Here's the first practice. It, it comes from this phrase. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Trust the Lord. Here's the first practice. Develop a deep. Okay, okay. Develop a deep heart. Develop a deep heart trust in the Lord. Develop a deep heart trust in the Lord. Not just a head trust, but a heart trust. My counselor tells me that I have passions in my life. And that these passions will be satisfied. And that I'll find a way to address those passions. And so one of the things that when we refer to the heart, we're talking about the center of your life, the center of your passions. It's the bringing together of all of your thoughts, all your physicality, all of your spirit, everything into the center of your life. And he says, trust me deeply right there. Trust the Lord with all your heart, not half your heart. Not three quarters of your heart. Not I'm a little bit in and a little bit out. Put your right foot in. He's not talking like that. He's saying all of who you are in the trust of God with a deep heart of trust. In uh, Jerusalem, in the old city, there's a road called the Cardo. The Cardo runs right through the center of the city and everything comes off of it. It's the heart of the city. The heart of the sea. So all of who you are and all that you have finds its meaning, its place, its understanding in your heart. It's your passion. So here's what he's saying. Get passionate. Get passionate about trusting me with all that you are. Like step into it fully. Don't dilly-dally. Don't depend. So the word trust means a confidence in a boldness in it's not a timidness a trust let, let me tell you a story this is my picture of trust it, it's it's uh, it's about my friend rory rory happens to be here this morning but my friend rory about rory is uh, a member of this church rory has received jesus as a savior rory has been baptized if you ask rory where jesus is you say jesus in my heart right uh, thanks rory <laughs> this is rory <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he also likes all star wrestling. Okay, so <laughs> that part was unplanned. So, about 15, 20 years ago, in, in the youth ministry, in the confirmation class, we were doing these things called trust falls. A trust fall is where you line up six or seven kids and you get on the platform. We were doing them in the other worship center, and the platform at that time was about four feet off the floor. You get six or seven kids and you you go like this and then you fall backwards into their arms as a demonstration of your trust in them. It's a great experience. It's fun. Right? It's like the first time I went rock climbing or rappelling off. Uh, You know, you wonder, is this going to hold me? This rope? And same thing. You look down at those little 7th and 8th graders and you think no joking around. This is serious. If I fall, you guys got, right? Because you wonder, will they catch me? And so we're doing each of the kids one at a time, those that want to, and they're dropping off. Some of them would go off kind of like this, you know, and stuff. And then I noticed Rory in the line. And I thought, oh no, this might not be good, right? Because like Rory's a little bit larger than the seventh graders, and 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 I start, oh, what if he, what if I'm going to get someone to call me from the county and all these things, right? And I'm, I'm like, and, and Rory is up; it's his turn. And okay, you stay, stay there, bud. You can stay, stay down. <laughs> okay, and, and so he's giving. <laughs> 
And, and so he, here's what happened. I, I, I said, Rory can do it. And he turns around. He just jumps backwards. He doesn't look. He doesn't pause. He just like gets up and he jumps back. He doesn't like fall back. He jumps backwards into their arms. And they catch him and lower him to the floor. And it was beautiful. And I cried. Because he had watched several other kids go first. He knew that the kids at the other end were going to trust, were trustworthy. He knew that they hadn't dropped anybody yet. And so he decided he was all in. That's the picture of trust. That's what I'm inviting us to. In your trust in God, because of this, his history with you, because of his history in the scriptures, because of his history in history, because of the reality that I, I, I don't think God's ever let anybody down. But you decide. You decide. But if you're going to jump, jump. Go all in. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Like, why would... Why would you say, I want just a little bit of the life that God's offering? Or I just want to be safe. We are invited to an adventure of being blessed and being a blessing. With Abraham, he was invited to all of this. God said, look at with, with all, all that you are, trust me. With your relationships. Like some of you are in the midst of some stuff. Trust God in that. With your finances, some of you are in the midst of some stuff. Trust God there. In your spiritual life, some of you feel like you're in the midst of some stuff. Trust God there. In your sexuality, some of you are in the midst of some stuff. Trust God there. In the private spaces of your life, some of you are in the midst of some stuff. Trust God there. With all your heart. This is, this is what he, God said to Abraham. This blows me away, by the way. Abraham was a wealthy man. He had servants. He had homes. He, he was very wealthy. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country and your people and your father's house to a land I will show you. I can hear Abraham right now. Wait, wait a minute. I'm fine here. I like it here. I'm, and you want me to go where? And God says, I haven't told you yet, Abraham. Just start journeying. I'll tell you on the way. Oh, no, 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 no. We want the map. I want to see. My wife wants to hold the map on her lap and have the app. And God's saying, I'll show you on the way. That's not the So Abraham went. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old. Okay, let me just, all of you over, like, let, let's just go, all, all of you who are 75 years or older. Abraham is just setting out on an adventure of his lifetime. Some of you are ready to hang up your walking shoes and say, from now on, I'll just kick back. Let the younger people do it. I've done that for years. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out. Here's what's interesting to me. I don't think that was a comfortable journey. 
but he's trusting God. He was leaving. He was leaving some stuff that felt really right for him, his people, his country. I don't know what God would say to you financially about what you need to leave behind the way you've been functioning so far. I don't know sexually what God would say, it's time to leave that behind. I don't know relationally what God would say, it's time to leave, by, but not, not your marriage. That's a different... But some of you are in other relationships that God would say, it's time to leave that behind. Let's start new, a new journey. Winnie the Pooh says it this way. You know Winnie the Pooh, the great theologian. Wisdom is knowing that where you want to be... Oh, I'm sorry. Winnie the Pooh says, I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I've been. Oh, that's brilliant. Let me say that again. This this sounds simple. It's not. I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I've been. Some of you have been detoured. Some of you have been on a shortcut. Some of you have been sidelined. Some of you are in dangerous places off-road. And God said, let's walk away from that. Let's get on the path. Wisdom is knowing that where you want to be may require you to move from where you are. Trust God. Like Abraham. That's the first practice. It's this radical, ruthless trust in God. It's saying, because of your track record, God is so amazing. In my life and the lives of people I've seen, I'm going to choose trust. All the time. Practice number two. Determine to not even. Can you say that out loud? Determine to not even. Okay, that was kind of partial participation. Let's go all in, right? Determine to not even. Okay, determine to not even lean. Determine to not even lean in a way contrary to God's will. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Determine to not even lean in a way contrary. It's it's like this. Some of us, we know what it's like to lean into someplace that we know that God doesn't want us to go. We just go over there and we... We smell it a little bit, right? We, we lean in. We, we go in and we listen a little bit. We go in and we start to like... Lean against, get away from the door. Do not lean on the door. Back up, right? Do not even lean. Some of you are leaning. Some of you are leaning into things sexually. Some of you are leaning into things financially. Some of you are leaning into relationships that you know God. Some of you are leaning into personal secret spaces of your life. Some of you are leaning spiritually in ways that you know God doesn't want you to lean into. Do not even lean, he says. Here, here's the question. Here's a simple question. In the wrong direction, how far do you have to lean before you fall? Here's the thing that's almost always true in my life. When I'm leaning, I never expect to fall when it comes. I can feel it coming and I can adjust and I can catch myself, but when I actually fall, it always, it always happens at, oh, I didn't expect it. I thought I could go a little bit further. There's a way which seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to disaster, it says in Proverbs. Do not even lean. 
And lean not on your own understandings. Here, here's what's interesting about my understanding. Now, my understanding is always my understanding. I always understand that I'm right in my understanding. Until I hear a contrary voice. Then I have to say, oh, wait a minute. I always think I'm right in my understanding. When I first got married and I had my understanding of how I wanted to run money and my credit cards, because that was like free money in my head. And my wife came with a different understanding that says, we're not going to go into debt. I said, what? How do you live? And she said, we're going to... And we decided those principles. It was... I had to lean not on my understanding and realize that God had a different plan for my finances. Understanding is... Here's one of the things that I'm learning to understand is I wasn't born smart or wise. All the wisdom I have, which some of you would grant that it's limited, all the wisdom I have, I've learned from other people. But here's what's also true. I don't have all wisdom. Either do you. When Jesus says, when God says, when the scriptures say, lean not on your own understanding, he's not saying don't use your brain. If your brain is consistent with God's plan, go that way. But when there's contrariness between your understanding and God's understanding, whose voice are you going to listen to? Who knows what's ahead? I don't. I don't have a satellite view of my life. I have just what's in front of me or the little British voice that speaks to me in my dreams, right? I I, I don't have all the understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So when I understand my own understandings and it's contrary to God, and here's the truth, when I have not leaned that way, I can't think of one time in my life where God has let me down. I haven't always liked the journey through it, but the destination has always been beautiful. When Bonnie and I left New England, I cried from Manchester to Hartford because I was leaving a place I loved and I thought I was going to stay for the rest of my life. My son, Tim, who was seven at the time, pulled us over and said, Daddy, we better pull over or we might die because I was crying so hard. And we pulled over in a Hardy's parking lot. We got out of our vehicles and we cried about where we were leaving. I look back. (laughs) What an adventure. I wouldn't have missed it for anything. But at the moment, I was willing. I was trusting, but I did understand. There's moments like that in your life where you're going to have to say, I don't understand this, but because of your track record, God, because of your trustworthy through the history of my life, through the history of other people's lives, because of who you are, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. Let me give an example of someone who leaned on his own understanding. The same guy, Abraham. Abraham, uh, he'd been promised a multitude of people in his life. Many, many, many descendants. As many as the stars in the sky, it says. And he and his wife were unable to have children up until this point. It starts in Genesis chapter 16. By By the way, this is a lesson in taking things on your own understanding and doing what you think over what God thinks. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she set, had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Okay, two seconds. You already know, if you don't know the story, you already can feel this is disaster coming, right? 
his wife's thinking, I haven't been able to have children. God's promised us children. It's not going to seem to be happening, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I have a servant girl over here. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. That may be true. That may not be. I don't know why she wasn't having children yet. And she says, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family for her. So here's what I say. Abraham's wife, this is twisted, by the way. This is like the stuff of movies. Says, here's my slave girl. And and Abraham, I'm guessing. (laughs) Honey, Honey, are you serious? This doesn't... And he starts leaning. Okay, if you make me... And he goes and he sleeps with her and she has a baby and disaster happens over and over and over in his life. Here's the promise. When you step off the path of God, you may feel like it's fine in the moment, but the road is out up ahead. You may be doing fine. But around the bend, there's disaster happening. It may not take your life. You may get second chances. You may get third chances. God is amazingly graceful. But here's what I'd say. Don't lean. Don't take matters into your own hands and go outside from God. But there is a way that appears to be right. Proverbs 14, verse 12, and repeated in Proverbs 16, verse 25. There is a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. It's this. When truth comes to you, you get to decide when light of God shines in your heart, you get to decide, I'm going to do the evil thing. I'm going to do my own way. I'm going to destroy the truth of my life and I'm going to go do what I stinking feel like doing in the moment or what she said I should do or what he said I should do or what my friend said I should do or whatever else says I do against the thing that I know God wants me to do. You can destroy the light or, 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 or you can do, you, you can do the foolish thing and you can deflect the light. You can say, well, she wanted me to. Referring to his wife. Which is abandoning responsibility. Or you can do the wise thing. And say, even though my understanding says we should do this ourselves, God says that there's a way to do it, and I'm not going to do it other than God's way. It's choice. It really is. It's, it's always a choice. To to do things, here's the wisdom. When your way and God's way are contrary, it's always wiser to take God's way. When your ways and God's ways are contrary to one another, it's always wiser, always wiser, always wiser to take God's way. Trust says, I don't understand. I'm not stupid. I'm not trying to be stupid, but I don't get it yet. But because you say so, I will. Practice number three. Acknowledge that God is God. Can you say that? Over everything, always. Over everything, always. God, acknowledge that God is God over everything, always. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. I remember when I was a little kid, my father taught me to acknowledge people when I came into a room. Right? Or when we met people. He, he would say, look, look at them in the eye. Shake their hand. Tell them your name. Acknowledge them. Right? If you wore a hat, tip your hat. That's not what God means. 
That's not what God means by acknowledge. Some of us, that's the way we live. I'm going to tip my hat to God. God's not looking for a tip of the hat. God's looking for acknowledgement that God is God. The word in this context means to lay prostrate before. To lay your life out before him. To let him be the God over all you are. To be, in, in some of your translations, to trust the Lord with all your heart, lead down on your understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him. In all your ways submit to him, is what some of you say. Submission is a little bit lesser of a word in my understanding. The word acknowledge means I'm going to admit that God is God. That's why. That's why I'm willing to trust him. That's why I'm willing to go against what my gut level says. That's why he's God. He's God over everything. He's God over everything always. When I am God over things, almost always they get messed up. When God is God... It's amazing. He promises love and faithfulness. It says earlier, bind love and faithfulness around your neck. Your acknowledgement of God isn't like a, oh, no, oh. He's a God that says, I love you. I'm a faithful God. Bind that around your neck. Write that on the tablet of your heart where you're making the decision whether to trust me or not. Acknowledge that God is God that he's trustworthy, that you can put your whole life in his hands, that you can put all of your morals in his hands, that you can put all of your behavior in his hands, that you can put all of your relationships in in his hands, that you can put all of your work in his hands, that you can put all of your secret life in his hands. See, for some of us, our lives are not really obedient. And I know I'm talking to some really good people. But for some of us, that's all it is. Our lives aren't really obedient. They're just good. You're just moral. You're just kind. But what if obedience, what if living on the path of God, what if truly trusting Him meant that He wanted you to have not just a moral life, but an impactful life? What if He didn't want you just to be a good person, but a person that makes His name great? What if God had a plan for you that says, in order for you to live my plan, you got to leave where you've been. You got to step out. You got to do something new. You got to, you got to turn around. You got, you got to change it up. You got to stop thinking that your way is the best way. Let me be God over everything. Always. And here's what will happen. I'll make your life amazing. I don't promise riches. I don't promise health all the time. I don't promise those things, but I promise that your name will be revered in the heavens. I promise that my name will be glorified around you. I promise that the people who watch your life will be impacted because of your amazing, ruthless, radical, dive-in trust in me. It says in Romans chapter 12, that in view of God's mercy, therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Let me, let me tell you one last story about Abraham. God asked Abraham to take his son, his only son, whom he loved, Isaac, and sacrifice him. 
If you don't know that story, you can read about it in the book of Genesis chapter, I think, I think it's 22. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and offer him to me as an offering. Abraham did that. What would God say to you? You love this so much. Give it to me. And I'll give it back to you in amazing ways. Trust me. Acknowledging God, contrary to what popular Christianity teaches, involves sacrifice and submission. It involves dying to yourself and choosing his way over your way. The picture of that is baptism. It's a step of obedience. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, God commands us to be baptized, to be buried under the water, and to come up to new life. It's just one picture of obedience and trusting God. The worship team is going to lead us in the closing song. And I know we had several baptisms first service. I don't know if there's anybody here today. But if God is saying, this is your first step, you just come up and meet with one of the pastors up here. We'll have a baptism for you. But some of us, others, it may be a relationship where you're saying, okay, God, I'm going to lay that down for you. If you want to bring it back, I invite you to bring it back, but I'm going to give it up to you. Some of you, it might be your finances. God, I've been running my finances this way my whole life. I've been taught this way. But your scriptures say this. It doesn't make sense to me. By the way, I'm going to talk about this part next week. It doesn't make sense to me to give it away when I need it. God, in my private life, there's some stuff. I want to lay those down to you. God, I have some personal stuff, some anger, some hurts. Some, I'm going to lay those before you. Whatever it is. Matter of fact, some of you have never stepped into relationship with God. Like you say in your head, you've trusted Him, but you've never gone public with your faith in Him. Or, or you've never received Him as your Savior and Lord. I met with someone, uh, it was last week, a young person, and he and his fiance, we were talking about the relationship with Jesus, and they say, well, it's the normal kind of thing. And I say, oh, that's a warning to me, because God never asks us to do normal. right? And it realized they, they've gone to church a whole bunch, but they've never taken the step of receiving Him as Savior and Lord. And so we did that. So I want to invite you to that. If you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you can just walk to the cross anytime during this song, and someone will meet you there. But here's the thing. Whatever it is that holds you back, I would practice laying it before God and saying, I want to be yours.